Let's bring our science expert, Dan Riskin, in with his favorite science stories of the week. Good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm very good. Okay, so anything from TikTok is bound to be amusing. What is the TikTok bird test? Uh, so it turns out that the key to knowing if your relationship is going to work, according to TikTok, which, as we all know, is much more reliable than scientists mm -hmm. or the scientific discipline or experts or anything like that, according to someone on TikTok who went slightly viral, uh, it really matters, this bird test for relationships. And I think I think Joe's pulled up a, an audio clip of that, so I'll let okay, that Okay, let's hold. listen. I meet this girl. We start becoming, like, newer friends, and we go to Starbucks one day. We're sitting at this table at Starbucks, and I'm looking out the window, and I see a woodpecker in a tree, and I'm like, holy sh a woodpecker in that tree this girl whips around so fast she's like where i kid you not for the next 10 minutes the two of us stared out the starbucks window just watching this woodpecker peck away at this tree while we googled random facts about woodpeckers okay but i'm telling you do this with your friends the bird test never fails <laughs> okay that's TikTok yeah. for you. Normally yeah, on TikTok, more swear for, words than I yeah, see in most scientific papers. Normally sure. on TikTok for me, it's people adopting cats. But anyway, <laughs> so this is the bird test. So what is her philosophy here? Well, her philosophy is the idea that uh, it's a test for your friends or often a, a your romantic partner, uh, but any friend, where if you see something, say a bird, and you say, ooh, look at that bird, the question is whether that person turns their attention toward it or ignores it. And this is a test that you can put your relationships through to find out if uh, the relationship is going to work out. Now, I, I went digging, and there is some science on this, and there are actually quite a lot of psychology sort of blogs and, and, uh, and websites that have sort of jumped on this and said, you know what, this is something, there is something here. There's there's this thing called connection bids in relationships and people have studied these to see how they correlate with the longevity of romantic relationships. So what, what they do in these studies is they look at couples who are uh, who get married on, on some day and then six years later they check in with them and some of those couples are still together and some of them have broken up and then they ask them a bunch of questions about the relationship and what they find is that of the couples that are still together after six years um 86 percent of them pass the so-called bird test if when they're asked these questions if you point something out does your a partner immediately turn their attention to it and show interest in it 86 percent of couples that stayed together do do this whereas of those divorced uh, only about 30% do that. And so the idea is if you want your relationship to last, um, this is a good habit to have. If your partner is showing any kind of interest in something like, hey, I saw a show on, on Netflix or, oh, I'm listening to this interesting in interview on John Moore, whatever, then you listen to them and you, you follow up and you show interest in it and it's going to be good for the relationship. So if your friend points out a woodpecker, go look at the woodpecker. Now, when I first heard about this, I thought if it takes bird tests to help relationships, this is great news for my biologist wife and me because we're constantly hitting each other with bird knowledge but it's not about the birds at all it's just about whether you focus on the thing the other person's pointing at okay this doesn't come as the biggest surprise to me because if somebody says hey look at the woman in the funny hat and you say i really don't care then maybe the two of you are not a good match right well that's just it but also there are some people for whom like I, I study bats, right? And so I like, and I often meet people. What do you do? Well, I'm into bats. And then okay. And some people are like, tell me more about bats. Yeah. And I get along great with those people. But there really are a lot of people who say, mm, I'm not interested at all in that. Let's move on. And there, it really, the world does have a lot of people who just don't lean into those things. And I think for you as an interviewer who shows curiosity and genuine interest in so many different people on your show, I think it might be kind of foreign for you as an individual to imagine being bored by novel information. Okay, speaking of novel information, and I'm mindful of the fact that apparently this story has a sad ending, uh, but it was a glow 
glowing monkey that was bred. I think we call these things chimeras. Yeah, chimeras. So this is uh, some some work out of the UK where they made a monkey with with glowing fingertips and glowing eyes. And uh, people are wondering why they did that. And uh, and and so basically, what they're trying to do is find ways to uh, understand how bodies work and also to build certain medicines, especially for people who have failing organs and stuff like this. So what they're trying to do is take DNA from one individual of a species and DNA from another individual of a species and be able to merge them somehow. So that if your liver, you know, stops working, they can make and take a liver from somebody else's cells and grow it in your body or something like that. And so for this study, they took two individual monkeys of the same species, one of which was sort of normal and one of which had its DNA modified so that it glowed green. It was a green glowing monkey and they merged their stem cells together and made a monkey that sort of was a patchwork of glowing bits and non-glowing bits. And it only survived for about 10 days, uh, but they were able to get it uh, much closer to their goal of a surviving chimera individual that's built out of two different individuals. So uh, it's kind of interesting. And a lot of people are talking about it because it was this glowing monkey. And so it's getting a lot of headlines without a lot of context. Okay. And speaking of engineering things, scientists have made yeast with artificial DNA. What would be the practicality of that? This is neat because there are a lot of things that are made by biological organisms that we would like to have that uh, it, you, sometimes it's too much work to actually have the organism that comes with it. So for example, there are a lot of bacteria that can break down uh, methane, for example. You have microbes that can do that. And so you could grow a vat of these microbes to break down the methane, uh, but wouldn't it be easier if you could just make the, the compounds that break down the methane? And so if we could just have their DNA and be producing all the proteins that come from that DNA without having to have the actual organisms, it would be a little bit easier. And so they're working on making artificial organisms with basically they take the DNA, they make it in the lab, it doesn't come from ancestors, it's just DNA made out of the chemical constituent parts, and then they try to make it run. And in this case, they've done that with yeast, but it's not like they made yeast out of nothing. They, they were taking yeast that were normal yeast, and then they made some extra chromosomes of DNA and put them into this yeast. And so it is expressing the DNA on those artificial chromosomes, but it's still uh, natural yeast that's growing in a vat. So they're getting closer to their goal of making an artificial thing that can express the DNA without having an animal involved, but uh, they're not quite there yet. Okay. And speaking of growing things, earth microbes on the moon... Yeah, this is a, a, just a quick one. They're they're trying to grow plants in space so that astronauts can live. And this sounds like kind of like a, it doesn't really matter because who cares if they can go gardening? No, but I saw the Matt Damon movie. Yeah, exactly. You need food up there, right? And it's so hard, especially if you're on a mission to Mars. It's not like they can be sending a truck to you with more food as you go. You need to be able to grow food as you go in space. And so growing plants either on the moon or on Mars, that's a big goal. It doesn't work very well. They've got the artificial moon dust that they've tried growing things in and plants don't do very well in it. This latest study shows that if you add a bunch of microbes to the soil that uh, help extract the phosphorus out of the rocks themselves and make them available to the plants, then things go a little bit better. So maybe part of the trick is going to be just putting the right mix of microbes into the soil before we start growing plants. So they're working on it, and, and hopefully you and I can have a, a meeting on Mars sometime in the next couple decades. Yeah, all right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's Dan Riskin, our science expert with Test Tube Thursday.